Welcome to the First Baptist Cadillac podcast. First Baptist Cadillac is a growing intergenerational family of faith whose mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Join us each week as we engage God's word together. We would love to hear from you. Please contact us at firstbaptistcadillac.org or text WELCOME to 231-261-1112. We return to the sermon series that we um, interrupted briefly during the season of Advent, the sermon series known as The Fullness of Life, taken from John chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it to the full. Or as it says in the English Standard Version, it's, a, it's an abundant life from the Greek parasos, which means over and above, more than is necessary, superior, extraordinary, surpassing, uncommon. The kind of life that you would expect from people who literally have the Spirit of God Almighty dwelling within them, a victorious, overcoming, fruitful life, which stands out to the world for the right reasons and captures their attention. And if you would think that that kind of life is only for a select few super-Christians, you are greatly mistaken. For the truth of the matter is that fullness or abundance is the normal Christian life. And I know this for two reasons. Number one, because Jesus promised it in this passage, this verse that we just looked at, John chapter 10, verse 10, when he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Who is they talking about? Us, all of God's children, not just a select few. And the second reason that I know that fullness or abundance is the normal Christian life is that it's the Holy Spirit that produces it. And as I just mentioned, the Holy Spirit indwells every single believer, and that includes you and me. And so with this in mind, in this series, we are covering these topics, abiding in Christ. We've covered that one, John chapter 15. We are toward the tail end of the section known as the fruit of the Spirit. And then in the weeks to come, we will cover the gifts of the Spirit, the community of the Spirit, and then the warfare of the Spirit. So we've got quite a bit of territory yet to cover, but uh, one Sunday at a time. Our key passage for the fruit of the Spirit is Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This, Galatians 5, 22 through 23, this is where abundant living begins. This is where spiritual maturity is measured these wonderful attributes that money cannot buy, you cannot earn them, but they are only found as we abide in Jesus Christ the vine and allow his spirit to produce this fruit through us. He is the vine, we are the branches, as we learned in John chapter 15. And so today, we want to focus on the fruit of faithfulness, which makes me think of something in particular. Maybe when I say faithfulness, this is what you think of as well. Anybody ever see that before? Anybody ever been there before? This is old faithful, right? Old faithful. Um, What is it that makes old faithful faithful? All right, yeah, it can be counted upon. It, It is known for erupting on time with consistent regularity. In fact, measuring it since the year 2000, it has erupted consistently every 44 minutes to two hours, like clockwork, again, living up to its name, old faithful, shooting 
3,700 to 8,400 8, gallons of boiling water to a height of 106 to 185 feet. Now, you want to hear something even more interesting about Old Faithful? In the early days when they first discovered it, you know what they used it for? Laundry. <laughs> Laundry. One quote from that time, this is what they said. This, is, this blows my mind. Can you think about like throwing your clothes on there and running away hoping that you... <laughs> Um, they said, garments placed in the crater during quiescence are ejected and thoroughly washed when the eruption takes place. General Sheridan's men in 1882 found that linen and cotton fabrics were uninjured by the action of the water, but woolen clothes were torn to shreds. <laughs> Nothing like having your underwear torn apart by Old Faithful, right? So, in our study of faithfulness, um, we're going to use that familiar grid that you find in your notes. We're going to talk about faithfulness defined, illustrated, commanded, and then practiced. So let's look at the first of these, faithfulness defined. Our word faithfulness comes from the Greek word pistis. And here's where things get a little bit interesting, because you see pistis is translated in Galatians 5.22 as faith in the King James Version. In the Wycliffe New Testament, in the Holman Christian Standard Bible, the Young's literal translation, it is faith, but it is translated as faithfulness in the New King James Version. Isn't that interesting? King James Version, it's faith. New King James Version, it's faithfulness. In the NIV, the New Living Translation, and the ESV. So, um, which is it, and does it matter? Which is it, and does it matter? Well, it matters because faith and faithfulness are definitely two nuanced, different words with different meanings. They're related, certainly. The problem is that pistis, that Greek word, is a very, very rich word with a very broad scope of meaning. And so with that in mind, you can't really go wrong here with either faith or faithfulness. Both are actually appropriate. However, Bible translators, in each case here, whether it's faith or faithfulness, made an interpretive decision, and we're going to go with the English Standard Version translation of faithfulness, which I believe seems to fit the context of the fruit of the Spirit best. The fruit of the Spirit, as we look at the other fruits, faithfulness is where we're going to land today. And so with this in mind, we're going to define faithfulness as the character of dependability, the character of dependability, like old faithful. Those who are faithful are trustworthy, steadfast, consistent, loyal, and reliable. They're dependable. John MacArthur said it this way. He said, a spirit-filled believer speaks the truth, lives the truth, can be trusted, is honest, steadfast, unwavering in loyalty to that which is true and right and good. That is to be the normal Christian life. And I'll tell you this, it is not normal in our world, is it? Faithfulness. Think about the many, many times that you experience unfaithfulness in this world and in an everyday kind of life. And so the fact of the matter is, if we as believers, if we live the normal Christian life, which includes faithfulness in a world where unfaithfulness is the norm, we will stand out from the crowd and point people to Jesus just because it's so unusual to find faithfulness in this world. Faithfulness is a 
key component to letting your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So, very briefly, that's faithfulness defined. Let's talk about faithfulness illustrated. What does faithfulness look like? Where do we see it in the Scriptures? And like all the other fruits of the Spirit as we have seen, who is the ultimate illustration of these fruits? God is. God is. God Himself. We are so blessed that we serve a faithful God. And there are so many, many passages that attest to God's faithfulness, highlighting just how important this is. But let me give you just a few from the Old Testament and just a few from the New. I find them to be hugely encouraging as we are reminded our God is faithful. He is dependable. He is trustworthy. First, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9 says, know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. This verse tells us that God is the ultimate promise keeper, true to his word at all times, in all circumstances, unwavering. He is faithful. He will do what he says. Just as it says in Lamentations 3.22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Somebody should make a song called that, right? (laughs) Call it great is thy faithfulness. That would be awesome. Um, Another Old Testament passage proclaiming God's faithfulness is Psalm 36 verse 5. It says, your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. And guess what? Another song, pretty popular in the last couple decades, written that way. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness stretches to the sky. Now we can turn to the New Testament and find very similar passages. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Totally dependable, reliable, trustworthy. So much so that it says in 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. We as human beings tend to be very transactional, don't we? Even in our relationships, we are faithful to those who are faithful to us. Perhaps when there's something in it for us, but not God. He is faithful because that's just who He is. It's in His very character. It's who He is. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. I love that line. He will surely do it. No question about it. It's settled. If God said it, it will come to pass. And perhaps the greatest illustration of God's faithfulness in the Scriptures, of Him doing precisely what He, would say, what he said He would do, is the empty tomb, right? God said He would do it. He did it. He said He would raise Jesus on the third day, and He faithfully delivered. Once again, reminding us that faithfulness is the character of dependability. He is trustworthy, steadfast, consistent, loyal, and reliable. Loyable. (laughs) Um, Always doing what he said he would do. And because of God's faithfulness, here's the thing. Because he is so faithful and trustworthy and loyal and reliable, we can face anything that life throws at us. Listen to this quote from David Jeremiah. 
He said, God is faithful, and that trumps all our problems, our tears, our tragedies, and the very prospect of death itself. Even in death, we will find God to be faithful. And so at my funeral one day, can you write this down, Christy, okay? As part of the service, the congregation will sing that hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And especially that third verse where it says, Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth, thy own dear presence to cheer and to guide, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. That, that line, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, that is my favorite lyric anywhere, any place, any time. It just hits me every, every single time. Made possible because of God's great faithfulness, His constant abiding presence. The chorus, you know it well, great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. I don't know all that you are personally going through right now. I've got some hints here and there, and you know, I know some things, but there's so much that I don't know. But this I do know. You are not alone. God is faithful. He will never leave you nor forsake you, and He will see you through. Those of you who have experienced great loss in the past few months, even the loss of a spouse, I don't know what those days hold ahead of you, but I do know the God who holds the future and who will hold your hand faithfully as you walk through that. In the coming year, the harsh reality of it is some of us are going to get some disturbing news from the doctor, aren't we? And I don't know how that ends, but what I do know is that God is faithful and he will see you through each and every step of the way, even to the very end. So, does faithfulness defined, faithfulness illustrated? Let's talk about faithfulness commanded. And again, as with the other fruits of the Spirit, there's an interesting tension here. On one hand, it's the job of the Holy Spirit to produce fruit through us as we abide in the vine, and the Holy Spirit does the work of producing the fruit. We're just fruit bearers. It's only by His power that we can be faithful. But... As we know, at the same time, there is always a moment of truth when we must, by the Spirit's power, exercise our wills in obedience to God's commands. And that includes the commandment to be faithful. As it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. So there is a certain sense in which Faithfulness is a choice, a matter of the will, yet only possible by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. As God's children, we are also God's stewards. He has entrusted to us the greatest of treasures. Think about all of the things that God has entrusted to you. Number one, His very name, right? His name. When you call yourself a Christian, literally meaning Christ-like, his reputation is on the line when you name that name by how you live, what you say, what you do. He has entrusted to us the gospel. He has entrusted to us our very lives. He has entrusted to us spiritual gifts. And he has entrusted to us the gift of time. 
each and every minute of every single day. He's entrusted to us material resources. And as you can see, the list goes on and on and on of all the things that God owns, yet He has entrusted to us His children as His stewards, as His servants. So as children of a faithful God, how then should we live? Faithfully, stewarding God's resources in a faithful manner. This was the message of Jesus in the parable of the talents. A story you know well, but we're going to walk through it again because it's so appropriate for our discussion of faithfulness. The, the passage is Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, and it goes like this. We're going to start with verse 14, actually. Jesus tells this story. He says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. So this is a parable. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, a spiritual application using surroundings and things for which they would be familiar. God in this, the man on the journey is God, specifically Jesus who has ascended to heaven until the day of his return. We are the servants in the story that it is talking about, those I just mentioned. The story continues in verse 15. It says, To the one servant he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability, and then he went away. So a talent was at that time a measurement of money, and while the application of the parable certainly includes money and how we steward it, how we handled it, it isn't only about money. It's about all those things that I mentioned earlier that God has entrusted to us. Now notice that the servants did not get an equal number of talents, did they? One got five, one got two, one got one. And so it is for us. We're all different. We've all been entrusted with differing resources and differing amounts of those resources. We are not all entrusted with the same. God in His sovereignty and in His wisdom has determined what each one of us will receive. And then it says in verse 16, He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. This guy, he didn't mess around. He understood the gravity of being entrusted with the master's resources, and he took his stewardship very seriously, and he was faithful with what he had been given. He didn't sit on it. He wasn't lazy. He wasn't apathetic. He went out and worked hard and did something with what he had been given. Next in verse 17, so also he who had the two talents made two talents more. He had a, a different amount of resources, but guess what? He demonstrated the same faithfulness as the guy who had the five talents. And then there was the third guy. The third guy, it says in verse 18, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Didn't do a thing with it except sit on it did not exercise faithful stewardship. And then verse 19, Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. This is like Jesus returning from heaven and coming back to his people and checking in on their stewardship. It's that judgment to come. Verse 20, And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Don't you long to hear those words? Well done, 
good and faithful servant. Then Jesus goes on to say something interesting to him. He says, you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, there are two things here I think we need to notice. Number one, our faithfulness that reflects the faithfulness of God, it brings Jesus much joy. And you think about that as a parent. When you see your kids do what they're supposed to do and they handle things well, when you see your kids act well with what you have entrusted to them, it brings great joy to your heart. If that's true for us, how much more is that true for God Almighty and His his amazing resources? So it brings Jesus much joy when we are faithful with what we have been given. But then number two, our faithfulness with a little allows us to be entrusted with much more. Our faithfulness with a little allows us to be entrusted with more. And again, even as parents, again, we can relate to that. When we see our kids be able to handle a little responsibility well, we know that they are capable of more responsibility. And with more responsibility often comes more privilege and more opportunity. And so we see that played out in our lives as parents. Again, how much more by our Heavenly Father. And then in verse 22, And he also, who had the two talents, came forward. What do we think is going to happen here? Saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. Now again, different amount of resources. Five to two, but the same faithfulness. The one who had been given five produced five more. The one who had been given two produced two more. And so it says in verse 23, His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He gets the same words of praise as the one who had been given five talents. The same words of praise Jesus gives to the five and to the two based upon not how much they had, but what they did what they had with their stewardship. So again, two principles at work here. Those same two principles, our faithfulness that reflects the faithfulness of God brings Jesus much joy, and our faithfulness with a little allows us to be entrusted with more. But then there's the one talent person in verse 24. He also had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. Now where we have to start right there is to say, as this relates to God, it really shows that he had a very warped picture and vision of who God the Father really is in, in the parable. He, he had a very warped and skewed view of the master. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. Verse 26, but his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. Now wait, time out here. Did he, like, commit any heinous, grievous sin? Did he go out and kill somebody or commit adultery? Or did he do anything really, really rotten here? No, he, he, just, he just was unfaithful. But that tells us, I believe, just how significant the resources are that God has entrusted to us and how highly God thinks of our faithfulness. His master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents." For to everyone who has, more will be given. 
and he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Ooh, and then these last words, verse 30, and cast the worthless servant, the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Two principles from the one talent servant. Number one, our lack of faithfulness is an offense to God. Our lack of faithfulness is an offense to God. Why? Because once again, it misrepresents him, his name, and his character. He is a faithful God. And when his people are unfaithful, it casts all kinds of doubt on who is your God and what is he like? I see all of this unfaithfulness in you and yet you claim that he is faithful. I don't believe you. I don't believe that that God is faithful because you are not faithful. It misrepresents him and his character. When we claim to belong to a faithful God and then act in ways that are unfaithful, we bring shame on him. And then number two, our lack of faithfulness disqualifies us from greater opportunities of stewardship. Our lack of faithfulness disqualifies us from greater opportunities of stewardship, which completely makes sense. God isn't going to entrust greater opportunity and greater resources and greater responsibilities to those who have proven unfaithful. And just as it says in Luke chapter 16, verse 10, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. So church, when you're tempted to say things like, it's just a little thing, it's just a little thing, a little bit of dishonesty, a little bit of gray on the taxes, a little bit of cutting corners here and there, just a little white lie, a little bit of not being completely honest, reliable, or trustworthy. Again, it's not some grievous, heinous sin that we're talking about, and yet how did, does God respond to this little thing in our lives. Know that little acts of unfaithfulness ultimately have big consequences. Little acts of unfaithfulness ultimately have big consequences. But, the reverse is true, little acts of faithfulness ultimately have big rewards. Little acts of faithfulness ultimately have big rewards. Let's finish up today by talking about faithfulness practiced. What does it practically look like when we exercise faithfulness? First of all, um, faithfulness to God. Faithfulness to God. Scripture consistently depicts our relationship with God as that of a marriage, of a husband and a wife. And as such, in that relationship, there is to be absolute fidelity faithfulness between us and God. We've already seen in Scripture that God is faithful. The question is, are we faithful? What about us? And sadly, time and time and time and time and time again, we see in the Scriptures, and we even see in our own lives, we are not faithful even though He is faithful. Many passages of Scripture, the relationship between God and His people is marked by infidelity. Again, not on God's part, but on the part of the people as people give themselves to idols, all kinds of other things other than God. The book of Hosea, have you read that recently? There, I don't know if there's a sadder book in the Bible than Hosea, the prophet who has an adulterous wife. And the whole point of the book, the story of Hosea, Hosea and his faithfulness 
represents God and his wife, who is unfaithful and adulterous, represents us. And how Hosea faithfully comes after her time and time and time again. We are that cheating, adulterous spouse giving ourselves to other lovers. And just like the prophet Hosea with his adulterous wife, God waits patiently for us to come home. Remarkably, like with Hosea, we're promised 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, if we simply come home and repent and fall on our faces, He is faithful. Even in our unfaithfulness, He is faithful and just, and He will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't matter what you've been, where you've been, what you've done, how unfaithful that you have been to God or to others. The point of the matter is we can be forgiven and cleansed. Thus is the nature of our faithful God. We can begin again. We can be made new. And so faithfulness is practiced as we are faithful to God. And maybe the place to begin this morning for some of you is, is to come home, to come home to your true spouse, God, the Father, and if you've been unfaithful, which we all are in certain ways, with our own idols, with our own things that we put ahead of God, today be the day that you repent of those idols and that you come home and allow him to forgive you and to make you new. Secondly, there's faithfulness to others. Faithfulness to others. Remember that definition of faithfulness, the character of dependability, which is trustworthy, steadfast, consistent, loyal, and reliable. We are to demonstrate those characteristics with one another, certainly within the body of Christ, the church. Just like that example in the Old Testament of David and Jonathan, such a beautiful picture of faithful friendship. I'd encourage you to go back to the book of 1 Samuel and to, to reread their story. And the point of their relationship is this. They demonstrated the depth of faithfulness and relationship that we are to give and to receive. Again, that is not to be an outlier. That's not to be abnormal. That is what is to be the normal Christian life, expressing faithfulness. They had each other's backs. Come hell or high water, they would be there for each other, even unto death trustworthy, steadfast, consistent, loyal, and reliable. Let me ask you this question this morning. Is that how people think about you? Do they think about you as being faithful, reliable, dependable, trustworthy? It's a beautiful thing when we exercise faithfulness toward one another. And if you've been there. When, when you exercise faithfulness to another, um, it becomes reciprocal often. And you, there's a blessing. There's this reciprocity of blessing that comes in those kinds of relationships. Certainly, that was the case between David and Jonathan. And God smiles because that is his intent for us. Lastly, faithfulness to our commitments. Faithfulness to our commitments. And it certainly overlaps with the first two, but specifically, this relates to things that we might say are small, aren't necessarily spiritual, but things like our time, are we faithful with our time? Are we faithful to our employers? Are we faithful with our words, our jobs, our ministries? Anything to which we commit, are we people of follow-through, of reliability, of dependability, people who can be counted upon, faithful as God is faithful? 
And I would ask you this question this morning, just on that very practical level. And again, those areas that we might say are seemingly small, but as we've seen, they're a big deal in God's eyes. Where are you falling short of faithfulness in your commitments? Even certain things like punctuality, again, in our world, it's like, eh, big deal. But again, when we say we're going to do something or be somewhere or do a thing, you know, and again, I'm as guilty as anybody when it comes to some of these things, but it matters. He who is faithful in the little can be entrusted with much. How are you doing with your commitment with your resources and your finances? And ultimately, what will you do about this? And so, fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. We've looked at it Defined, illustrated, commanded, and practiced. I just want to close with, once again, Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. It simply says this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, in this world that is unstable, that is filled with unfaithfulness, that is filled with um, just, we can't, we don't know who to count on. We don't know who to trust. Um, There's just lies and falsehoods and people who say one thing and do another. Sadly, we've even seen that on very high profile, visible places in the church of Jesus Christ. God, we we are thankful that in the midst of all of this unfaithfulness, you are absolutely faithful. We worship you. We celebrate you. We thank you. And God, I pray that lots of people would be encouraged today to know that, again, no matter how hairy things get in the future, you will be there. You will never leave us nor forsake us because you are faithful. And you are faithful to forgive us of our sins. God, I feel for those people this morning who are under Holy Spirit conviction. Thank you that they don't have to stay there. (laughs) Thank you that they can be forgiven and cleansed and made new this morning simply by coming to you and giving you their sin. And so I pray that that would happen for many, many people this morning. Thank you that we can be made new in Jesus because of his shed blood on the cross for our sins. On the cross for our sins. And God, make us people who are faithful even in the little things, especially in the little things, because when we take care of the little things, we are promised that we'll be entrusted with greater things. Forgive us for falling into that lie of the world that there even are things that are supposedly little. Thank you for all that you've entrusted to us. We know that there are five talent people, two talent people, one talent people. The point is not how much we've been given, but what do we do with it? I pray that you would find us to be faithful. And we look forward to great days to come because of your faithfulness. This is our prayer in Jesus' name.